So we've been on a series that we've been looking at, um, just red letter, red letter words of Christ that we see outside of the Gospels. I know we often see red letter words in the Gospels because that was the autobiography, that was the story or the biography of Jesus' life. But sometimes there's places in Scripture where there's red letter words that happen outside the Gospels. And when we see those, it's either someone reflecting or remembering something Jesus said or Jesus speaking to them in that moment, something very profound. And so we've been looking at these moments, these instances, and just seeing what God is speaking, these, these words that we can hold on to as a church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the, the commission he's given us that we would be endued with power, that would be, we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We talked about church vision about three weeks ago and, and the desire that God has to use us. And actually, we kind of pick up on that this morning. And then we went to a sermon where I talked about, but Paul, or Saul at that time, in Acts chapter 9, verse 16, uh, God spoke to Ananias and said that he was going to call him to, or he was going to show him all that he would suffer for his name. And how unconventional it is that when God's speaking to someone, he would show them not what they're going to accomplish, but what they're going to suffer. Last week we paused from the Acts versions and we went to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because we did communion. And we spent some time looking at those words that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. We talked about the reality of division and how that we need to, we need to be intentional about division. Uh, we have no place for division in the body of Christ. We're surrounded by it in our, in our world, in our government, in all that is. And we need to protect ourselves or guard ourselves from that. This week, like I said, I want to pick back up in the book of Acts. And I said Acts chapter 9, verse 16. Paul was told how much he would suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And so the rest of the book of Acts, we begin to see some of the suffering. Yeah, we see the great things that God does through Paul's obedience to him, but we also see some of the suffering that he endures for the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 21, Paul's at a, he's at a temple in Jerusalem, and he's speaking, and people get upset. That's what happens with Paul. He speaks, people get upset. And uh, they decide that they're going to arrest him at the temple, uh, the crowd gets worked up. They want to flog him. They want to stone him. And so he goes, if you'll read, you know, we're, we're going to be in Acts 26 today, but I'm just trying to give you the background of this moment. So Paul is, is arrested in Jerusalem, and people are upset. He stands trial before the Sanhedrin, or he goes before the Sanhedrin. Uh, from the Sanhedrin, he's then passed on to Festus to, to have a trial before, before Festus. And, I mean, again, think of this. Think if you're Paul, Festus. Here's Paul's plea, and he ponders it for about two years. He thinks about what Paul had to say. For about two years, he's, 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 he's just going through what, what Paul said. So after two years, he dies. Felix is the one in charge. So Paul goes before Felix. Another trial he has. From Felix, he goes before King Agrippa. So this is like the fourth time Paul's had to plead his case over two years um, that we're going to look at today. And, and so really, we, we have to recall, Paul was arrested for sharing the truth in the temple. That was the offense that Paul made. And so he's standing before a king, and as he begins to stand before the king, in Acts chapter 26, the first thing he does is he says, hey, you know who I was. You've heard the story of what I've done. He talks about who he was just briefly, how much he persecuted the church, the things that he did. But he wanted to get to his defense. Paul's defense uh, before the king is what I want to focus on this morning. Yeah, he talks about who he was, 
But then he takes us back to a very familiar place in Scripture. It's turned off. Okay. He takes us back to, to, to in Acts chapter 26, verse 12. In these verses we, we looked at in Acts chapter 9. It's the same moment. Paul's defense is what we talked about two weeks ago. And so as he's standing before the king, she'll get that up eventually. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I ask, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you, he says in verse 17. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them. To do what? So God is sending him to the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul is standing before a king, you know, and he's had two years to come up with his argument. Like, I think in two years I'm going to come up with a pretty good case. I got a lot of time to think. I got a lot of times to run this by the wall. I got a lot of times just to run this by cellmates, wherever he is. Two years to come up with his defense. Paul is standing before the king. This is King Agrippa. Now, a little bit of history to King Agrippa. Who is he? He was the king, obviously. But you know who his great-grandpa was? Or his grandpa, I'm sorry, his grandfather was. It was King Herod. It was the guy in the beginning of the Gospels that was so upset because he heard that a baby was born who was going to be the Messiah or the Savior, that he had all the kids who were under two years old or he put a decree to have them all killed. That's his grandpa. So I'm guessing, now you and me, I'm standing before this man. I'm probably holding back on the whole faith thing. I was just there talking. <laughs> I mean, I might have said Jesus, but I mean, it, was a, it, was a, it was a whole different conversation. <laughs> they misheard me. They didn't understand what I was saying. It's not recorded. Man, I'm going to go through all those things. No, Paul is standing before the king. This king is, is one whose, whose reputation can't be the greatest for believers. Grandpa was the one who had babies killed to protect his, his authority. I'm standing before him. This is who I was. But Paul's defense before the king was as simple as this. This is what God told me to do. Paul's defense... For himself. Paul's defense for his faith was as simple as God appeared to me on the road to Damascus. Me and my companions, we were blind. I knew it was him. I heard his voice. He asked me why I was doing what I said I'd been doing. And then God spoke to me. And he said, this is who you are. This is what I called you to do. I've called you. I've called you to open eyes. I'm sending you to people to open their eyes 
from darkness. To turn them from darkness. To, to turn them from the power of Satan to God. I've called you so that people might receive forgiveness and find their place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. My Bible, this is called the Divine Paul's Divine Commission. That's a little heading on this section in my Bible. Paul's defense was his commission from God. We were talking about hearing God and obedience in Sunday school. See, Paul heard God. And because he heard God, that was the only defense he could have. This is who God told me to be. I'm standing before the king. The king don't care about God. That's what got Paul in this problem in the first place. My defense before you is this is what God told me to do. He said he's got a purpose for my life. He's got a, he's got a plan for my life. He's got a reason for me. He called me. He said my name. He spoke my name. And he said, this is what I have to do. So that's what I was doing. What was Paul's commission? What did God speak to Paul that, that, that he was supposed to do? I'm sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Paul's goal. He knows. How did God appear to Saul on the road to Damascus? Remember? Was it not a bright light shown? He knows the reality of walking in darkness. He's walked in darkness. He knows what it feels like to live in darkness. He knows what it means to, to, to be in a place of darkness. And God has said, I'm going to use you to take light to them. Paul was going to places of darkness, the temple. Well, wait a minute. Why? Because he knew God spoke to him what he had to do. 2 Corinthians, Paul gives us a picture of this. Chapter 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God for what we preach is not ourselves but Jesus Christ is Lord and for our and, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul recognizes the condition of the world. Paul understands the God of this age has caused people to do what? He's blinded people. What does blind mean? They're living in darkness. Paul recognizes that God brought light into his life, that he is now light in darkness. And so Paul was compelled, he was committed, is the word from Sunday school, to see that fulfilled in the world around him. Because I know what happens when light shines in darkness. I know the the brokenness that happens in darkness. Paul understands the confusion that the God of this age has caused. And he says, I'm compelled by the cause that God gave me. I'm compelled by the commission that he placed upon my life that others would be able to see. Pastor, this is pretty basic stuff. 
Yeah, today is a pretty basic sermon. It's a pretty basic sermon that the church needs to hear. They were living in darkness. Paul said, what I must do is begin to show them light. Why? So that they can receive forgiveness. Let's be honest. The God of this age, He wants us to stay defined by sin. Let's be honest. The God of this age, He's got a strategy that He's using with, with the church, with people, with, with, with everyone around us. He wants us to focus on our sin so we can't see our Savior. He's got us so compelled by the darkness that we can't even receive forgiveness. I got an experiment. This is an experiment that I saw this week, and I want to try it. And this may not work. We'll see. I'm going to show a video in just a second. Your job in this video is to count the number of times the people in white shirts pass the basketball. We all handle that? Roy, take your shoes off. You're going to need your toes, too. I had to pick on Roy. Everybody else has been all week long. I love you, Roy. I didn't make one comment at all until now in front of all these people. I'm going to start this video. So just count the number of times the people in white shirts. There's volume on this a little bit, Irene, if you can turn up the computer. It's just a... It's okay. How many passes did you count? How many passes we got? The correct answer is 15. The correct answer is 15. Who got it right? Raise your hand. Did you see the gorilla? Who saw the gorilla? Who didn't see the gorilla? Watch this screen now. This test was done by a, by a psychologist or whatever anyway. And, and, and the whole premise of this is about 50%, he says, of people who watch this video miss the gorilla the first time they watch this video. You watch it the second time and you're like, how in the world did I miss that gorilla? I'll tell you how you missed the gorilla because I believe this is a strategy the enemy uses in our lives. He gets us focused on everything else that he doesn't want us to see the gorilla in the room. The greatest demonstration of God's love that's been revealed. The reality that we're forgiven. He gets us so focused on the tasks or the problem, on the sin or the self, on the issues, on, on, on the way I feel that I miss this whole presentation of, of, of the greatest thing that we will ever know. I watched that video. I knew what I was looking for, so it didn't work for me. Actually, I showed it to my kids last night, and I was scared because they saw the gorilla. All of them said they saw the gorilla. I was guessing because they don't know how to count, but, you know, whatever. What a profound spiritual illustration. We're simply called to be light. I want to tell you what light is. Light is pointing out the gorilla in the room. Yeah, they just had to replay the video. 
We had to know there was a gorilla and everybody saw the gorilla. Man. Maybe that's as simple as what God's asking me to do. I don't have to take your eyes and shove them on the gorilla. I just have to talk about the gorilla and you begin to see it. Maybe, maybe Paul's divine commission was just to speak about the gorilla so people would see. Maybe that's all God needs you to do. Maybe that's all God wants you to do. Maybe that's all God's asking you to do is just point out. Just start talking about Jesus. Start talking about where he's at in your life. Start talking about where he's at in the room. Start talking about what he's been doing. And maybe, just maybe others will begin to see the gorilla that they never saw in the first place. And I love that illustration. Why? So that people can receive forgiveness of their sins. I'm going to say something. This is going, it's going to be profound. Sin is bad. Sin separates you from God. Sin is bad. It keeps us outside of God's will. Scripture says that the price that has to be paid, there's a, there's a pretty remarkable price that has to be paid. It's death. That's how sin is forgiven. That death came. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. The result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some people just simply need to hear that truth. Sin is bad. The price has been paid. Receive it in your life. Stop focusing on the failures. Stop focusing on the problems. Stop eliminating yourself from God's plan. Stop staying in the darkness because there's nothing to hide here. Wow. People like the darkness because it conceals them. I have nothing to hide when the cross has been applied to my life. Does that mean I'm sin-free? Ask my wife. But I'm not ashamed because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I have nothing to hide because the price has been paid. Romans says I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I'm a slave to God. I'm no longer defined by what I've done wrong, but I'm defined by everything that God has done right. Paul said, I'm sent. God said, I'm sending you to those. That their eyes could be opened, that they could turn from darkness to light, that they could be turned from the power of Satan to the power of God so that they might have forgiveness. And then what? Find their place among those who have been sanctified in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 16. It says, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, 
the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, I've talked about verse 12 a lot. My job as a pastor is to equip his people. What I'll say is to equip the saints for the works of the gospel, for the works of service of the body of Christ may be built up. But something God has been speaking in my heart is that not, that's not just the job of the pastor. He gave us what? He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to accomplish this work in the church. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, and it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's something about the fullness of God's plan functioning within the body of Christ. We've had conversations recently in the church leadership and and, in these places that as a pastor, I sense we need to be better evangelists. We talked about it, you know, and the things that we do and and the things that we're we're experiencing. We need to be better at, at being evangelists, at doing what God has called us to do. We need to be better at speaking the truth in love, at knowing God's divine commission for our life, at speaking to people who are in darkness and bringing them into light, at pointing out gorillas. We need to do better at that. This is a, this is the message from my heart to yours. As a pastor, as a leader, we've talked about it. We've, we've got to find the place, the way that we're sharing our faith effectively. When we do things, the, the things that we do, there's just an urgency. It's come up in, in conversations about our outreaches and the things that we're doing. It's come up with, with conversations with Pastor Tara. I was talking to her the other day and she's like, Pastor, I want to have a kids evangelist come to the, to the pumpkin extravaganza this year. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, that's what God's speaking to me. It's cool when God speaks. He's speaking to us all. Greg and I have had conversations about outreach without evangelism and how sometimes he's wrestled with that. Tam is wrestling through women's Bible study and the whole thought of being able to share your faith. Like apologetics, defending it, those moments, having those moments where we can share what God has been doing. Listen, we can't see verse 12. We can't see the fulfillment of God's design unless we're all functioning together. I truly believe that God is calling us to share our faith. I truly believe that in this season... There are people who are surrounded by darkness that absolutely need light. I truly believe that the light of God has shined in your life, just like it shined in Saul's life on the road to Damascus, that he placed light inside of you, that he wants to use your words, that he'll empower you with his spirit to speak truth in love that will set people free. But we're silent. We stand before the king and we make excuses. We stand in front of our accusers and we say nothing. Paul stood before the king. And he said, my only defense 
is what God has called me to be. My only defense is what God spoke for me to do. If you continue in the book of Acts, Paul does something amazing. Acts chapter 26, verse 26. People were upset. I'll start in verse 25 because it's amazing. We'll get to 26. It says, Paul, Paul says, well, at, at this point, verse 24, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. You're crazy, dude. That's probably radical obedience, just for the record, if you were in Sunday school. Your great learning is driving you insane. Verse 25, Paul says, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. Paul replied, what I am saying is true and reasonable. The king, so he points at the king. Now, I said who his grandpa was. The king is familiar with these things. And I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice. Because it was not done in a corner. Look at verse 27. Talk about bold. Talk about radical. Talk about crazy. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Paul is on trial. He knows what it means to be a follower of the way. He knows where this goes. Remember we sing that song, I know how this story ends. Yeah, he knows how this story ends. His defense is his faith. He said, God has sent me. Who has he sent him to? He sent him to King Agrippa in this moment. God gave him a moment to share his faith. And so he looks at the king in the eyes. And he says, don't you know what the prophets have said? What what is Paul thinking? He is insane. He is out of his mind. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul took this moment, this trial, not as, a, not as an attack against him, but an opportunity to share his faith. He shared his story. He was called insane. He was called crazy. Then he looks at the king and says, come on, it's your moment to believe. Come on, Jesus Christ died for you. Do you believe what he said? The king says, are you crazy? Do you think you can persuade me in such a short amount? of time, Paul says, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today, they become what I am except for these chains. Paul received a divine commission in his life. He knew that he had breath and he had to share what God was doing. He knew he had to take the moments he was given and share the truth that God had placed inside of him. He wasn't afraid of a king. He wasn't bound by chains. Yes, he was, but he didn't let himself be defined by those chains. No, he spoke in such a way that he said, King, do you believe? King says, maybe not. Oh, we stop at no, right? Nah, he said, no, I failed. (laughs) Short time or long, whether you believe today or tomorrow, whether you see that gorilla right now or in five months, and maybe not just you, but everyone else who's listening, Everyone else who's looking.
everyone else who's hearing. God gave me this message. I had to share it. God gave me these words. I have to speak them. It's what I'm defined by. It's what I'm going to be defended by. You guys can come forward. You know, I believe God desires us to be his witnesses. I believe God has called you to be salt in life. I believe God is making divine appointments in your life where you can share your faith. I believe He's placing you in situations where there are people who are in darkness that absolutely need life. There are people who are, who are surrounded by sin, identified, controlled by sin that is around them. And He desires you to be light in that moment. He desires you to point out the truth. He desires you to just speak truth in love. Let me say this. You can do it. Oh, Pastor, I don't know the verses. Tell your story. Paul wasn't quoting Scripture to King Agrippa. At least it wasn't Scripture then. Paul was telling his story. You've got a story of what God's done in your life. That story is profound. That story is miraculous. That story is incredible. That story is meaningful. Don't be afraid to share that story. Don't be afraid to tell others what God has done. Why? Because they need to hear it. They need to understand that God is real. They need to know that God forgives. They need to recognize that God loves them. They need to know that it doesn't matter how old they are, that God's grace is still available in this moment. They need to hear the truth of the gospel. Paul used every moment he could to share God's plans. Take these moments and share his plans. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for each one in this room. God, we may not have been walking on a road to Damascus when we saw a light, but God, there was a moment in our lives where we were transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. God, if there's anyone in this room who has not experienced that moment, I pray they would recognize you're speaking to them today. You're shouting their name today that you desire that they would experience your love. God, you did this in our life that we might know, that we might be able to speak, that we might be light. Why? So people, so this body of Christ that you're creating, this body of Christ that you designed, that each part would be where you desire it to be so we could function Fully. God, help us to share our faith. You know, God, I, I, I openly repent for our church. You called us to be witnesses. I pray that we would be effective witnesses. God, I pray that you would give us that boldness.
the boldness to speak no matter who we're talking to. No matter how great the king or close the friend that our only defense would be what you've called us to be. God, use me to bring light. Father, use me to speak truth so that eyes can be opened. To change focus so that people can see the greatest truth that is ours today. That you love us so much, you sent your Son to die so that we might have life. That you love us so much that you sent Jesus Christ as the only ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that we could be with you for eternity. Use us. Use me. Let your will be my defense. As Walton, the worship team, sing this song, I just encourage you to just think about those moments. Ask God to put some, some faces, some, some kings in your life. Ask God for, 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 for those opportunities to share your faith. Ask God to place a burden inside of you that you can see. You can recognize the, the effects of darkness. You can recognize the hurt and, and the control that other people are living in. God, use me. As they're, as, they're, as they're singing this song, I would open up the offer, all altars if, if you say, Pastor, you can talk all about this, but, but that monkey, I just want to see the fullness of God's love. Pastor, I don't know what that means. This morning is an opportunity for you to know the fullness of God's love. If you say, I've been in darkness, but I want to be in light. I know what it means to wander in darkness, to trip and fall, and be identified by things other than what you've called me. I want a a moment to pray with you that we could speak the truth of God in your life. If you've never accepted the fullness that Jesus Christ has died so that your sins are forgiven, let this be the moment you receive that truth. It's as simple as if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. The Scripture says that you will be saved. God, help us to see. Just think, God chose you. God wants to use you. God needs you in the body of Christ. And I hope that we can be evangelists. I hope that we can share truth and love, bringing people from darkness to life, away from the power of Satan, to the power of God. Blind eyes that are opened so that people can receive forgiveness and find their place in His body. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you speak God's divine commission in your life. Amen? Be blessed.